0: Welcome to the Hustlers Manifesto podcast. We jailbreak from toxic hustle culture. We take Hustler back from the belief that bigger is better, security is contingent on compliance, and freedom is reserved for the powerful. I'm your host, Sarah Duran. I'm not here to tell you how to make a quick buck. I'm here to change the way work is done so we can live more meaningful lives right now instead of betting on an uncertain future. If you value this content, Please rate it and comment on this podcast wherever you get it. Thanks for being part of the movement. Hi, Lizzie. Hi. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Pretty good. Um, So I'm super excited to have you here. Um, And we'll get right into, I'm going to let you tell us all about yourself um, in a second. Um, But I I came across you because my wonderful friends... Um, at the Indie List, which is a freelance marketing agency in Ireland. Um, you were running a workshop for them and I saw you on their newsletter. Um, and I was like, how have I never known about this person before? This sounds amazing. She sounds amazing. And um, so I reached out and here we are. So I'm so excited to have you here. And um, let's get started with the, fir- the three questions that we ask everyone at the beginning. So who are you? What is your work? And why do you do it?
1: Sure. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. I'm really glad to be connected.
0: Um. So yeah, I'm really glad you reached out.
1: Um. Who am I? Good question. So my name's Lizzie, and I am a content and copywriter for SaaS companies that kind of work in e-commerce space. So, I have clients like Shopify, CoSchedule, Hotjar, those kind of uh, big players in the industry. But I also run workshops and courses for freelancers. Um. And the reason that I do that is because I mean, I've been doing this for 10 years. Let me give you a bit of backstory. I've been freelance for 10 years. I originally started out as a travel writer in 2013 um, when I moved to Spain. That seems like a long time ago now. And I'm kind of glad that I wasn't still a travel writer when COVID hit because that would have been an absolute disaster. Um, but as I kind of continued with my freelancing career I started to post like travel and freelance stuff on the blog and I got lots and lots of questions from other people who were like how do you do that I want to be a freelancer how have you built this business how do you get to travel so I thought that I would package some of the content I've been sending to these people up and I created got like a free ebook all about getting started freelancing and then I've got a couple of workshops and courses as well Um, And the reason why I do it is I just really love helping other people get some freedom back in their lives. Like freelancing, just it it lets me travel when I want, where I want. I get to set my own hours and I just, yeah, I love helping other people do that as well.
0: I love it. So um, one of the reasons that I was so interested to talk to you is because you live sort of like a double life, just like I do, where you're like, you are a freelancer. Mm -hmm. And you also um, like help to create resources for and like support other freelancers, which is like always this weird. When people ask me what I do, it's like a very like convoluted answer to a certain extent. Also, kind of depends on who I'm talking to. Yeah. Um, I'm always like, I'm this,
1: but also I'm
0: this. Yeah. I sometimes use a like, uh, I think it's Batman, like a Batman analogy where I'm like, by day, I I am this. (laughs) But then I'm like, also by day because yeah. I am not a I don't night work person. at night.
1: <laughs> I'm the same. I always wanted to say I was gonna start that then with by day, but I was like, no, I do all of it by day. None yeah. of it happens at night.
0: That's right. Nothing happens yeah. at night for me except for sleeping. Yeah. Exactly. Um, <laughs> um I love like tell us more because I know that like the quote unquote digital nomad lifestyle is like something that it, it I think it's a motivation for a lot of people for becoming freelancers. Um, especially in this day and age. And like, I think post COVID, especially when we've seen a lot of companies, we've seen a lot of companies get more comfortable with remote work, which I think naturally makes a lot of companies. And I think there's tons of research to bear this out too, which I could like pull some of it to put in the show notes, but it also makes companies more comfortable to hire remote freelancers. And so I think like the the ability to be a digital nomad, I think is greater than it ever has before, especially with zoom and like the, the connectivity that we have right now. So I'd love to hear about like, like what was that part of your journey? Like, and like, do you still, um, do you still travel a lot? Do you still like embrace that kind of lifestyle or are you more like stationed in one place at this point?
1: Yeah. So I, I I don't think I'd be where I am now if I hadn't moved to Spain in those first instances because i mean i was young i was 23 at the time and i moved because my ex-partner was a english teacher and he got a contract in this tiny remote village in spain and it was like do you want to come with me and i was like yeah i didn't have any responsibilities why not gave freelancing a go we decided that if i wasn't kind of earning enough or it wasn't going anywhere then i would get a proper job when we came back to the uk after the contract ended uh I never got a proper job again um, because it was fine and um, yeah I really quickly replaced my income that I was getting in my marketing role before that which wasn't much I mean it's not it's not difficult to do that because I was getting paid basically pennies in that Um, and I was in Spain for just under two years and we were planning to move back but then personal stuff happened and we didn't and I for the few years following that I kind of traveled about five six times a year so not like constantly traveling but I would maybe go for it to five or six places for a week two weeks at a time take my laptop with me um now it's a little bit more difficult because I bought a house two years ago so it's slightly harder to kind of just up sticks and go traveling but I do still try and go away five to six times a year it's not always kind of like two weeks at a time but I do try and stick to that um That amount of travel because ultimately that is the reason why I went freelance in the first place because I'd used up all of my holiday at my job and then I even had to pay them some money when I left because I'd used up too much of my holiday. So for me, uh, travel was such a huge part of going freelance. For me, it wasn't about, like, I I didn't realise, like, the earning potential. I didn't realise kind of how big it could be. I just wanted to travel more. So for me, it was, like, really, really important.
0: Um. I love that so much. I like always joke that my husband has like a quote-unquote normal job and I'm always like your PTO like your vacation situation is like really holding my life
1: back. (laughs) Yeah tell me about it my partner is the same and I'm like what I was like okay but how many holidays can we go on otherwise Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna have to go without you.
0: Yeah well and he does the same thing he ends up taking off some like time unpaid because Mm -hmm. um, he has a lot of He has a lot of hobbies. So he has his own, besides all the trips, I want him to go. (laughs) He has all these other trips that he goes on for various things. Um, So tell me about one of the things that I talk to other freelancers a lot about is like how to structure your business model so that Mm -hmm. you can have like whatever the life you want to live is. And I think being a digital nomad is a really good example of that um, because there are certain types of um businesses or business models that lend themselves better to being able to do that than others Mm -hmm. and so um we know that you're a freelance copywriter how like how does your how does the structure of your work sort of like facilitate you being able and I know like again like your, your travel is a little bit less than it was before um, but, like, what does that look like with, like, the way you structure your your contracts, your engagements? Is it, like, more one-off things so you can, like, have time off in between? Or is it, like, more retainer type of work? Like, how, what does the structure of your business look like to be able to support that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the structure of it now, it would still support if I wanted to go back to the traveling and digital nomads. So Lifestyle, it would definitely support that. So I don't do retainer contracts, but I do ongoing contracts so I don't tie myself into a certain amount of pieces a month with each client I basically have contracts with each client like at the start of each month we'll commission x amount of pieces and then they only pay for the pieces that I create so I'm not feeling under pressure to cram all of this work in and they're not feeling under pressure to deliver a certain amount of briefs each month Um, and the way that I work is once I have the brief I can basically write the pieces in my own time. So I'll obviously have a deadline, but for me, the be- my best working hours are in the morning and I rarely work in the afternoon. So a lot of the times I will spend the afternoon kind of working on stuff that's freelance really magic, or I will do hobbies or I'll go out and visit my sister go for a walk. Um, but I think it's really helped me when I'm freelancing to be able to set my own hours and to understand when I'm most productive and when I can do my best work and for me that's in the mornings and I think I mean if I was traveling I would work in the mornings and then I'd have the afternoons to just explore Mm
0: -hmm. um I love that you're so that's another thing that I that um a lot of the freelancers that I talk to we talk about a lot too is the this like thinking about the conditions for your best work like when I was thinking about like the who not the who the what um the when the why um and the how and so like Mm -hmm. like you said like how like where um what the time of the day that you're doing like certain times of work um I try to schedule my um structure my schedule the same way where I'm like okay writing is better happening here like calls like are only going to be confined to this day so that these days don't Mm -hmm. have any calls Um, but it's such a game changer. And I feel like it's something that depending on, I mean, again, if you have like a quote unquote, normal job in some instances, you may be able to like structure your day that way too. Um, Mm -hmm. but I find that it makes it so much easier. I mean, like what I hear, but like, tell me if this is true. What I hear you saying is that like most weeks you're maybe not working like 40 hours.
1: Oh, absolutely not. And I, I put
0: this in my newsletter
1: each week i i tally up how many hours i've worked that week and i will put it in my newsletter and i think i i did something about this in last week's newsletter i think i broke down what my working conditions were and how i get so much work done in such a small amount of time yeah on an average week i work about 22 hours so yeah nowhere near nowhere near 40 hours my brain wouldn't be able to do it
0: i i think that's so interesting it's something that um I like realize I'm approaching my 10 year mark for working for myself. And it's something that I realized pretty early on where I was like, I haven't worked 40 hours a week in years, like, like, and when, before, when I worked for other people, I always felt like I was so efficient at things that I was like, I don't really need to work. Yeah. Like I can get all this stuff done. Same. And again, Same. when you're able to have so much control over how you structure your time and your work, you can get so much more done. Mm-hmm. Um, So tell us some of that, like, tell us some of those strategies. Like you said, you're right you your, you put out in your newsletter about like how you're able to get so much work done in such a small amount of time. Like what are yeah. some of those strategies? What does that look like for you?
1: Yeah, I think it's really important what you said there, because when I was employed, I basically just like stood my thumbs for a lot of the time. Like I got loads of work done and then I'd be like, well, what should I do now? So a lot of the time I was just kind of at my desk for no real reason, for maybe like four hours a day. Um, but now I don't work on Fridays. I only work Monday to Thursday. I, I maximise my productive hours, which are between half past eight in the morning and 11 a.m. And that's when I get my biggest chunk of writing done. I only schedule calls on Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Thursdays um, between the hours of 11 and 12 and then between 2 and 4 p.m. UK time. Obviously, I can be flexible on that because I have some international clients. So if they're in the Pacific coast, then it makes it a lot more difficult. So I can stretch to like 5 p.m. here. Um, uh, When I'm writing, I will turn my phone off, put it on aeroplane mode, listen to focus music. Um, I rent a co-working space, um, which I'm in now, and because I absolutely cannot work from home. I've tried many times, and it's just not for me. So if I'm in the co-working space, then that's like my work brain switched on. Um, and I think I think that's it. And obviously, I've ha- I have like a really strict, not strict, but uh, an evolved writing framework that I use now, because I've been doing this for so long, and I've been working with most of my clients for like one year, two years, some of them even like five years. I know kind of the process that we go through. I know the kind of topics that we're writing about. So the writing for me is, well, not easy, but it's easier than if I was just like starting out and was just kind of like throwing spaghetti at all and seeing what sticks. So it has taken a long time to get to this point. Like it wasn't overnight. It's taken pretty much 10 years to get here. But yeah, I I think I've nailed
0: it. I, I mean, you're hitting on so many of the same things that I've learned over the course of working for myself as well, that like um, being able, again, just like thinking about those conditions, because it's not just like the when, but it's also the where. I have this a similar thing. I mostly work from home. Um, but what I when I have to like really focus or like crank something out I will like go work in a coffee shop it's like this like alone with others thing that really like helps me focus um yeah during the summer my daughter's in like several different like camps this summer that are like half day and so I will just like take her to camp and then I will just like sit outside the room at the camp and like the community center and work and like that though like three hours that she's in camp I get more done in that time than like any other time of the day, because it's just this super focus. Like no one else is around yeah. me. I'm like, I have three hours. I will do this thing. And, and you be- can't do, there's no distractions either. You're not like, oh, I can put exactly. a load of watching or I can
1: yeah. do this. So it's literally like the only thing you can do is the work.
0: Exactly. And that's what's so interesting about what you said too, is like some of those other strategies of just being able to focus um, are so important, like turning your phone off, turning your email off, um, I like turn my slack off because I can get so di- um, we all can get so distracted by yeah. those like and it's like a it just like, you know, playing on your phone is an addiction, like checking your emails mm-hmm. also an addiction. Like I find myself even when it's off, like Perfection. I will like have a pause and I'll be like, oh, maybe I should check my email. And then I'll have to be like, yes. no, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs>
1: I sometimes, yeah, because I'll put my phone on aeroplane mode and then I'll be like, I'm just going to turn that off the aeroplane mode real quick to see what's mm-hmm. there. And there'll be, like, no notifications. So I'll be like, right, okay, I need to put my phone in another room at this point because uh-huh. even yep. this isn't helping. Yep. Um, and that's true. Like, if I can't get into the zone, like, some days I can get into the zone really easily. Like, I'll, I'll be in in five minutes and then really, like, the work just flows. But sometimes I'll be, like, constantly, like, oh, just check this Slack channel. Oh, maybe I'll just refresh my Twitter. um. And it's like, even if it's just such a tiny task, it just takes up so much more time than just checking Twitter or just refreshing your emails. Cause then you then have to go back into the zone again. It's like all that context switching.
0: Yeah, exactly. I just wrote, I wrote a couple of blogs over the last two months about the, exactly that about context switching. And it's so interesting. So the, one of the books that I always refer to that like really changed the way I think about this stuff is called Deep Work. I don't know if you've read it. (laughs) I've uh, heard of it. I haven't read it today. it's it's really good because he goes into a he also he tested all the strategies on himself. He's an academic, so his writing is like academic writing. But you know, mm-hmm. they have to crank out like a lot, like especially if you're yeah. in, like pre-tenure, you're cranking out a lot um, yeah. of writing. And so he and because he's an academic, he goes into all the research, but then he also talks about the practical ways he's put it, it um in practice in his work. Um but that's one of the things that like I um and again I think we're um I think women especially are get uh pulled into multitasking in a mm-hmm. way that is just feels like it's your only option. Like if you're not multitasking, then like there's no way everything is gonna get done. When in reality, multitasking is like A, really bad for your brain and B like does really not-, not productive yeah does not make you more efficient it makes you much yeah. less efficient cuz when you have to switch back and forth there's mm-hmm. this like um what um neuropsychologists refer to as like attention residue so even mm-hmm. when you switch back you're not fully back yet like it still takes like a little bit of time before you're like fully back into the zone yeah. um but yeah his book has some super interesting strategies about like how you really chunk out your time so you can like get into the zone, stay in the zone and then get out mm-hmm. of the zone. Cause you also have to like shift your brain be- out of work mode and be able to oh, like yeah. draw that boundary at the end of the day.
1: I really struggle with that sometimes. And I will sit at my desk for like 20 minutes after I finish writing and I'll just be staring. And mm-hmm. my partner does this thing where I'll just be staring and he'll be like, you're caught in a stare. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just like, processing stuff but I'm not thinking about anything I'm just Mm -hmm. like I feel like I just need to sit and stare at something that's not a screen for like 20 minutes half an hour when I finish I guess that's me coming out of the zone
0: yeah yeah he suggests this like wrap-up um this like wrap-up thing that he does at the end of the day where it like sets this like hard boundary between work and not work um because the other thing he says that's super interesting which might be different for people like I think we both said we're not night people but like it might be different for people who are night people but he was like the work you think people who like stop work and they're like oh I'm gonna come back and do this like after my kids go to bed or whatever he's like those Mm -hmm. hours in the evening actually aren't as productive as you think they are it would be much better if you just like Mm -hmm. use the strategies to carve out more time the next day at your peak productivity time whatever that is for you then try and like cram it out just like check one more thing Mm -hmm. off of your list
1: Um, yeah I I completely resonate with that there's so many times where I'm like I really need to get this finished today but it will be like 2 p.m and my brain's not working and I'm in that after lunch slump (laughs) and it really feels like it feels really difficult just getting the words on the page and it will take me maybe two hours to do something that would take me twenty minutes, half an hour to do if I was just like, right, that's it, I'm done. I'm going to try again in the morning when I'm when I'm more
0: productive. Yep, it's amazing. Which again is one of the reasons why I think like freelancing, independent work in in general, is so powerful because it trims all the fat. Like it's just mm-hmm. like you you don't have like you said like that three hours a day where you're just sitting at your desk twiddling your thumbs because you can't because you don't a you don't have to because like Mm -hmm. you do what you want to do so like if you're done you're done and you go do something else Mm -hmm. but it just like i think the way that um also the way that like people get paid in like traditional employment scenarios account for that Mm -hmm. that like you know extra time that no one's using like they know when they're calculating someone's salary that like you know 90 percent of the time they're gonna like you know dilly dally or like whatever they're going to do for a couple hours a day, like check their personal email or do whatever. And that time is accounted for. Whereas like, I think that a accounts to the, to the way that we can spend our time much more effectively. And then also accounts for the fact that we can charge way more for Mm -hmm. what is actually less time Um, because of the the way you can structure with your time. And like you said, especially when you get it dialed in, I'm at a similar pl- uh, place in the type of work that I do with my clients where it's like, I've done it so many times. And I'm like, so um, I like just so experienced at what I do that, like what would take someone else double the time takes me half the time um, mm-hmm. because I just like have a process for doing it.
1: Yeah. And it's like, if we're not doing it, or if we don't do it quickly, then we're losing money or we're not getting paid for it.
0: And mm-hmm. I think
1: not that that's like a driving force for me, but it is something that's always at the back of your mind. Like if you're spending four hours on something on like a small task that shouldn't be taking you four hours you're not getting paid for it or
0: you're getting paid not as much as you should be for sitting around doing nothing for four hours right which like when you're when you work for someone else and you have to sit at your desk for eight hours no matter what like Mm -hmm. you're not incentivized to finish it in four hours exactly right like you're like I would be yeah I have all day (laughs) exactly and I would be like On a Monday, I would be like, right, I'll
1: spread out my tasks over the week so that Mm -hmm. I don't get bored, basically. And then I'd have it all wrapped up probably by like Wednesday lunchtime. And then I'd be like, what am I going to do for the next two days? And it would literally be like me breaking down tasks, spreading them out over the week. Whereas now I'm like, right, I can do all of that on Monday, all of this on Tuesday. And then it's just like me hammering through all of the stuff, like the actual productive stuff that I need to do because yeah, there's no time to just like sit around and do nothing. Cause I'm not getting paid for
0: that. Yep. It's, it's, um, I mean, yeah, that is exactly the same experience I had, um, before I started working for myself. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I have so much more time and I am making so much more money than I was before. Yeah. Um, yeah. and I can like go do whatever I want the rest of the time. Like I don't have to like sit there and pretend that I'm working, Yeah. um, the other so one of the other things I'm curious about is are there um are there seasonal variations so something I'm really something that I've been recognizing about myself is like I have these periods they usually occur like January February and then I'm now realizing that one of them also occurs like June July where like mm-hmm. I will start writing like my blog or my sub stack and I will be like I'm like just in a funk, like I'm not motivated, like I don't feel like getting anything done. And then I go back a year and I'm like, oh man, I almost wrote this exact same thing last June or last January. And so I'm realizing that there's these like periods of time in the year where like, I just don't really feel like working that much. And so I'm starting to think about how how can I, again, like adjust my business model so that I'm actually not forcing myself I'm like giving myself the the grace to be able to like work a little bit less in those months where like I naturally just feel like not working.
1: yeah I think it's so difficult as as freelancers because it feels like if we're not busy then business is ending like this is all over and there's probably like three points three times a year where I'm like, is this it like is it over? Mm-hmm. is the gravy train over. Should I look for another job? And this has happened like consistently for the last 10 years. Um, and it's usually because I'm in a funk and it's usually because I need to take some time off. Because I mean, as freelancers, we're also notoriously bad at taking time off. Like, yes, I go on a few holidays a year, but when I'm on holiday, I'm still checking my email right. I'm still thinking about work, I'm not like totally switched off because I mean, I love what I do, so it's constantly on my, my mind. But if it gets to the point where it's been like two months and I haven't taken any time away from my desk, then that's when I start to notice that I'm like, I don't care about this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. This sucks. I'm gonna get a job in a cafe on a beach somewhere and, and just forget about this whole thing. Um but yeah I do notice it I I I'm the same in January. It happens then, but I think that's like the general Christmas is over yeah. it's the start of a new year like there's a lot of pressure in January I think for freelancers as well so if you get all of those posts that are like what goals are you setting for yourself this yeah. year what do you want to achieve and it feels like we should be doing loads more than we are but also that's combined with the fact that client work is often slow in January because people are coming back the holidays so we're trying to set all of these big lofty goals but none of the work is coming in so we're like should I be setting these goals when I've literally got no work yep um But then it picks up, picks back up again. And then a similar thing happens to me in summer as well, because I just want to be outside and I don't want to be sat at my desk. Um, So I'm trying to, for the last couple of years, I've I've tried to take it easier in the summer months. So I cut back my hours a bit more. I try to not worry too much when I don't book as much work in over summer, because obviously my clients are away. And I have a couple of clients that always, always take, uh, July and August off um, they're European companies which I think is an excellent idea so in June they will be like we're going to be breaking for the summer in July and August um, but we'll be back to assign topics in September and like I kind of wish all of my clients did that mm-hmm. because it would force me to take two months off but then I would know that I would have that work to come back to yep. so I think that's ultimately ultimately the issue isn't it like we feel like if we take an extended period of time off the work just isn't going to be there when we come back which often isn't the case. Like often the work is there when we come back and it's just this whole mindset thing that we need to take everything that comes our way immediately because it might be the last chance.
0: Yep, 100%. And I think the, so like, you know, thinking about, again, like I'm always thinking about like, how do I structure my business model to like make that a thing? And so like, that's a perfect example of like, if you only had those clients, again not saying that like but again if you were like really committed to it and you're like okay like i'm only gonna have european clients who take these two months off in the summer that would naturally be a way where it's like you would carve out that time and i think you're totally right it's like i think the other thing that i find too with myself and with other freelancers i talk to is like um exactly we said it's like that feast famine mentality where like you don't know especially like the last i mean like lord the last three years where it's like you don't like there's always a looming recession like who knows if there's going to be work tomorrow like the recession is coming the recession is coming right (laughs) right and so it's like you have to take you will take whatever you can get even if you're like it's like well I actually wanted to take a vacation or oh I want didn't want to work that much this summer but it's like it doesn't matter (laughs) because like you got to get while the getting is good um but I also like one of the things that I try to reflect on for myself is like I think we also sometimes not just with like time and work but also with money if we're if we're much more cognizant about like the actual amount of money that we need to like facilitate our oh, life yeah. sometimes yeah. we're always trying to like get just a little bit more just yeah. a little bit more just a little yeah. bit more right? right And so you know we validate ourselves by like feeling busy, which I think is a mm-hmm. is a holdover from, when we worked for other people like i think it's exactly what you said it's a mindset shift that like now that we work for ourselves we have to we have to just say that like i mean a like you and me saying i don't work 40 hours a week period Mm -hmm. and that's fine and i still like i don't feel bad about it i don't like i have no regrets i don't feel guilty about how other people have to work 40 hours a week but like that's like a mindset shift that people have to make in order to be able to take advantage of, you know, the freedom that's available to them.
1: I think for me, the mindset mindset shift came when I realized that I was doing more work in those 20 to 23 hours than I was in the 40 hours. So mm-hmm. maybe if I wasn't getting that much work done, I might be like, oh yeah, I feel a bit guilty that I'm yeah. not working as much as I should, but because I'm getting so much done in that time, it it almost feels like I'm working a 40 hour week without it actually being 40 hours. So I think that's that's helped my
0: mindset.
1: My mindset shift. Mindset shift in that.
0: Yeah. I I mean it. Yeah, it's just constantly amazing. Every time I talk to other freelancers, that I'm like, because before I went out on my own, and I like didn't plan it, like sort of happened by accident for me. Mm-hmm. But like, I had no idea. Like I like this is like the best kept secret that like. <laughs> You would
1: think you yeah if you believed everything everyone said you would think that you had to work like 24/7 to make even just like a small bit of income yep
0: um okay one more um one more question i want to ask you is um something that i also think a lot about in my business and with others is this this um eternal struggle of how do you work both in and on your business mm-hmm. and so like At especially like people like us who have these wear these like by day by night hats or by day by day hats um how do you carve out the time where you're not just always and this goes back to like all the things like filling up your hours scheduling chunking your time all that kind of stuff um Mm -hmm. where you're carving out time to work on your business not just in your business Um, So I treat my business as if it
1: was another client. So I have it in my Notion board. I have like a list of all of my clients. I have them in a little um, board thing, like a Kanban board. And I also have my own business on there as well. So I schedule time to do that. I mean, probably not as much time as I dedicate to my other clients. I probably should dedicate more to it, but that's always the way. But I always make sure I dedicate at least two to three hours a week doing things like the newsletters recording the podcasts um, doing any blog posts any like collaboration stuff um, but yeah my biggest tip would be treat it as it is, as if it were another client
0: I love that so much Um. okay tell us about Freelance Magic Freelance
1: Magic is a
0: community for
1: freelancers uh mostly creative freelancers so lots of writers designers marketers social media managers um and I create resources workshops courses um for freelancers at every stage of their journey so I've got a bunch of resources for people starting out uh people who are kind of mid-tier and then also kind of more advanced freelancers I post a newsletter every Friday called Friday freelance tips where I break down my revenue for that week, every single piece that I've worked on and the hours that I've worked. And then I also include a little freelance tip in there as well. Uh, but yeah, that's freelance magic. You can find it on Instagram. It's freelance magic.co. And then the website is the same freelance Co.
0: I love it so much. I also, I especially love um, like the transparency about the time and the money. Um, cause like I said, it, it just feels like such a seek like such this, like Pandora's box where you're like, I don't like, it feels like this and I'm not saying it's easy, right? Like, I'm not going to say like building a business by yourself is like an easy thing to do. Um, you have to be really, um, dedicated to doing it. Um, but I will say that like the the possibilities for both freedom and flexibility around time, money, and um just like your working conditions are like I had no idea. <laughs> I was like, why didn't no yeah. one tell me this before? Me neither. I well
1: yeah, I I remember when I decided that I was going to go to it was about a month before we moved to Spain. And it was kind of a spare of the moment decision. And my dad took me out for lunch and he sat me down and he said, this is the worst decision you're you're making. This is the absolute worst decision. And I was like okay thanks Ted. Um, And then I came back from Spain and now 10 years later he's like everybody should go freelance. This is the way forward. This Mm -hmm. is the future. And I think it's just because there's all of this kind of stigma around freelancing. A lot of the time people think it's because you can't get a proper job or you're in between jobs or you're too lazy to have a proper job where in reality anyone who has been a freelancer knows that there is i should found more work in that goes into freelancing than into a proper job so anybody who makes a business even like earning a little bit of money i have absolute respect for because it's not easy at all um but yeah i think there's not enough transparency in the industry so i'm i mean i'm i'm on a mission to bring more transparency to kind of pay what's possible um and yeah, just open up the conversation because also as freelancers, we're working independently, like we're working in isolation most of the time. Um, And I think obviously like power in numbers, isn't it? Like if you don't know what's possible, then you're never going to get there. So yeah, I'm hoping with freelance magic that I can kind of bring more transparency to the whole freelancing thing.
0: I love it. Um, I'm on, I'm on the same mission, which is why I was so excited to connect with you. Yeah. And Yeah, it is. It is isolating. And I think the thing that I realized was like, this ability to like, be more independent ourselves and like take care of ourselves and take care of our businesses and do all this stuff on Mm -hmm. our own, also makes us much more able to like help each other. And so like, I think freelancers are some of the best like colleagues and partners you will ever find like they're incredibly generous with their time, their expertise. Um, and so I think it can also, that's one of the things that can feel super scary is I, the people that I coach, I'm always like, you should be having, like, if you haven't had zoom calls with literally everyone that you consider a quote unquote competitor, Mm -hmm. like that should be the first thing on your list Yeah, because it's not, you can't operate again. It's like, it's like a holdover mindset from like, when you work for other people, like you can't continue to operate that in this like competitive mindset, you have to operate in a collaborative mindset because that's the only way that like our little businesses of one are gonna you know survive and thrive together yeah
1: I completely agree I'm I'm full on with the whole community thing I, I don't believe in competitors in this industry like there's plenty of work to go around and I think the more that we can help each other the better it is for everyone
0: Well, I think that is the perfect place to end it. Thank you so much, Lizzie. We'll definitely have you back on again. And um, we'll make sure to include um, all of your links in the show notes.
1: Amazing. Thank you for having me.